Lesser Light by Matthew Draper Chapter 20 A 12-foot Christmas tree, decorated with green, red and blue bulbs and ribbons, loomed above me. Lancaster train station is built like a stone fortress, yet I did not feel safe. Focusing on my environment, I was able to calm my mind a little. I knew a few facts about Lancaster. My hobby of researching individual towns and cities' queer history gave me connection wherever I found myself. I could be grounded in details. I knew very little about Lancaster as a city beyond its history of LGBT plus inclusion, mainly stemming from the university. I had once read about the West Road Gay Collective and how the Campaign for Homosexual Equality held their first national conference nearby, in Morecambe, in 1973. Activists had forced their way through crowds of angry Christians holding anti-gay slogans and signs. My own parents had never been in protest crowds, but had reacted to my coming out as if a bomb had gone off. I buried their response deeply, piling it below huge shovelfuls of devotion to St. Michael's, and keeping myself so busy, I never allowed myself enough time to worry about the opinion of my parents. If the skeletons of those conversations ever attempted to reach me, I packed the soil down tighter and harder. I remembered reading about a parish church in Lancaster, where a priest had developed a surface of affirmation to celebrate a person's transition, using a similar tradition to baptism and christening. It was a service designed to gently connect a person to God, and God to them. Such a link with the unknown was the opposite of the violent connection between Gabriel and me, which had thrown all my friends into danger. We had all been gathered to pray the night of the incident, as we often did at our midweek small group sky gazers. We used to meet in people's homes, but on that occasion we had arranged to use the church centre, so we had space to spread our arms and spin around. The charity work we did for the church was tiring, and nights like this one rebuilt our energy and reminded us why we did everything for the church, because of how good it felt to celebrate together. For a few months, I had been aware of an ever-increasing link to the mighty being we knew as Gabriel, the lesser light, represented in the imagery of the moon, as Morgan had taught us. I began to feel him speaking in my mind. You are my strength on earth. Bring me more. When I had come to St. Michael's two years before, I was packing the trauma of the fight with my parents so deeply it had felt natural to press deeper into the spaces of oblivion inside me. It was from those places I brought myself into the presence of the lesser light and I had brought the others with me that night. Now, 
I found a bench where I could wait for the next Edinburgh train to pass through. Dylan might not understand why I had to get off the train, but I needed to think. The past was rushing at me so quickly, intent to repeat itself, and I could not let Dylan's memory of those events distract me from my mission to stop Sebastian. I needed to know my link with the lesser light was real if I stood any chance to use his power again. There was nothing I could do but wait, for now. I did not want to leave the station and planned to catch the next train to follow Dylan on to Scotland once I had a chance to calm down. The timetable told me it would be a couple of hours before another passed through. I made my way into the men's toilets, where solid sinks, bright tiles and a wall of mirrors greeted me. I looked rough. It had been the longest Christmas ever. Hot water poured over my fingers as I soaked them. I could feel more than see the ring I had received from Gabriel gleam through the bubbles and gurgling water. I had been deep in prayer to Gabriel when the ring first appeared, filled with fear of evil and love for those of us on the mission trip who I wanted to protect. I remembered the feeling of safety once the ring was on my finger. I was made a son of Gabriel, holding the seal of the family. I never took it off until I met Rocco. With him, I no longer needed to hold on to the protection and power, the control, Rocco would have called it, afforded by being linked to Gabriel. Oscar was the only other person who had seen it for sure. If only he was here to verify I was not going mad. The water stopped running and I flicked my fingers to dry them. One more glance in the mirror before leaving. Someone was behind me. Sebastian! He closed the distance between us faster than I could turn around and his fist hit the side of my face, knocking me against the stone-cold sink. My head jerked back and hit the glass mirror with a sickening crack which sent spikes in every direction like a spider's web growing out from my head through the reflexive surface. In the cracked mirror, Sebastian's furious face was broken into multiples. He grabbed one of my wrists, yanking my arm upwards as he attempted to get hold of my right hand. I was too dizzy to react other than instinctively. I clenched my hand into a fist, the ring on my index finger protected by the other digits clamping shut beside it. I pushed Sebastian back with my elbow, my shoes slipping against the tiled floor as I tried to right myself. Give it here, Sebastian demanded. He was repeating his attack from our home, but this time Scrumples was not here to help me. I managed to push him back far enough to gain my footing before he was on me again. I barged him with my shoulder, turning one side of my body away from him. He wrapped both arms around me, clawing at my other hand, even as I tried to keep him behind me. Familiar sounds poured out of my mouth. I attempted to access the kind of power I used to have, back when I believed. I still believed, right? They say everyone is a believer in a crisis. I could feel the glow of the ring extending from my finger up and around my whole fist. A solid glove 
formed around my closed hand, and I spun fully about, thudding my clenched fingers against Sebastian's stomach. He flew back, hitting into a toilet stall door, banging it open with his body. He growled and leapt back at me, his hands flying towards my face. I let the substance of the protective ring shut a helmet around my head, flowing down my whole body to form armour plating. Sebastian's attack was unrelenting, battering me across the bathroom. I kept stepping back, trying to duck his blows. He grabbed both my shoulders and swung me into one of the stalls, unbalancing me as I tripped through the door to fall and land hard between the toilet and the bottom of the cubicle. From the floor, I caught hold of the divider and rolled myself underneath into the next stall. Sebastian was there before me and stood on my chest, kicking my chin, knocking my head back against the bottom of the toilet. The room span above me. He knelt over me. Don't be stupid, Harry, he said. You can't stop me. I'm taking us all back there, back to him, and I need this to do it. He wrenched my arm up, prying my fingers open one by one. Whatever protection the glove had given was gone. I had lost concentration, lost connection. I was not safe. Sebastian hauled the ring off my finger roughly. Now I will be the true believer. He stood up, victoriously holding his prize in the air. Huge wings caked with dust lifted from either side of Sebastian's body as something rose behind him. Claws raked along his shoulders. The tall form of Gabriel lifted itself above him, a faceless head atop an enormous dragon-like body which filled the entire bathroom. Sebastian's grin was a death skull before they both disappeared. I pulled myself to my knees and threw up into the bowl of the toilet. Everything ached. My elbows, face, neck and knees hurt. My stomach cramped from hurling and coughing into the cracked and overused porcelain toilet. The smell alone was enough to make me wretch again, chucking up chunks of hotel breakfast. I could not remember how I had ended up on the floor puking my guts out in a train station toilet. Leaning back, exhausted, against a wooden stall divider covered in pen graffiti, I tried to put it together. I had been on the train with Dylan. He told me it wasn't real. I had left the train running. I knew that much. Something had happened since, but I was drawing a blank on the last 20 minutes. Sometimes I would find myself staring at my phone with no idea what I had been planning to look up, or great swaths of time would have passed without my realising it. Crawling out of the stall and finding my feet, I moved to the sink to drink water directly from the tap. Not a hygienic choice, especially in a post-pandemic world. I pressed toilet paper against my lips. I brushed dirt off my jeans and picked up my bag from where it had fallen. As I left the bathroom, the broken mirror reflected the door as it closed behind me.
Lesser Light is an online event. Head to lesserlight.blog to join in the comment section or share this story on Facebook, Twitter, Hive or your favourite social media platform. The Lesser Light paperback is available from lulu.com or other booksellers or you can download the ebook now. But remember, no spoilers until New Year's Day. The story is fictional, but if the elements about trauma, cults or recovery have affected you, you can find helplines at lesserlight.blog.